0: is going to be uh, gathering toilet paper and uh my sister was saying why why is it now that people choose not to toilet paper my house um but Daniel's going to be gathering toilet paper and if you have extra toilet paper we're going to distribute that through the community people who may need it um, we didn't ask this but the press contacted us this morning and said hey we would like to f- go along with you and take pictures and so forth so we weren't trying to get attention like that but did just was a reminder that the world is watching at how we respond to this it is an opportunity for us to show grace and to show poise to show faith in the absence of fear uh so that people will be drawn to the christ that we put our hope in and so forth so okay now we show the video 7.6 billion now that's a big number that's how many people they are on earth. In the U.S. alone, estimates say that out of 328 million, there are nearly 246 million lost souls, men, women, boys and girls, that don't know Jesus. Those numbers seem big, but what if we were to focus on the number one? The Bible tells us that heaven rejoices every time one person comes to know Jesus. What if we were to focus on the daily conversations, those everyday meaningful interactions for Christ that can truly make an eternal difference in someone's life? We can reach our nation with the gospel. We can reach the millions. We can reach our friends and family and neighbors by starting with one. Who's your one? I really hope you have one Uh, at this point. Very important to, uh, if you haven't filled out a card like this, I still have this one. I'll just lay it right here if you want that one. Um, And um, I am so excited. I'm not going to reveal any names. But uh, my one, my one, as far as I know, first one to make a profession of faith and put their heart in jesus christ and i'm super excited about that and i do not want to steal his thunder so i will wait for him to share with you about his decision to follow christ but i am not to brag or put pressure on the rest of you that have one but uh... it is as simple as making an intentional effort to have that conversation with somebody again taking time to pray through for 30 days um, and in the process of that prayer praying God opening up the opportunity and I know what's true for my one it wasn't anything I did it was the efforts of so many people pouring in and 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 to see all the different connections that uh, that some of you Uh, Had in that not even knowing is really amazing and just a testimony of God's goodness that you uh, that what God is doing and this is why it's so important to pray when you're praying for that one God isn't just just getting you ready to maybe have a conversation but he's having other people have conversations with your one even when you don't know about it and so I pray that we just focus on praying for one person to be saved to to have again that that opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with somebody. Today, uh, and and using the three circles, we said that before, the three circle, we did that last Sunday night, is a live conversation, guys, simple way to share the gospel. Have some more of those little booklets back there. Some of you have downloaded the app. Uh, It's really easy to learn. If you struggle with technology and so forth, but it just would take a second for us to show you how to swipe your finger across the phone and so forth and learn how to present that presentation, one of the reasons, and we went through it again Sunday night. One reason I like the app so much is because it gives you the instructions on the app. You just click one little button, and it tells you what to say, and it tells you the scripture to use. And if you forget to carry the little tract around with you or you forget how to draw it on a napkin, uh, you have that on your phone all the time. And the other thing, it even has a little video. You can just press play and it's just hold it out there, and, it just, and then there's somebody who will make the presentation for you. Walk through the whole thing, and so that's awesome. So I hope you'll take advantage of that. As well. But today we are telling a story, and um, it's a story of hell. If you want to create an awkward situation with somebody um, anywhere, in any environment, especially with the unchurched and sometimes with the church, just bring up the subject of hell, especially if you bring up one that you believe in hell and that you believe that anyone who hasn't put their faith in Jesus Christ is going to spend. An eternity in hell. I, you may be getting uncomfortable about it right now. Uh, some preachers do things like turn up the thermostat when they're going to preach on hell. I didn't do that this morning um, for cost involved. But, the, um, but just saying the word, I know it makes me uncomfortable. I know there's a lot of preachers who will never say it, who never preach about it. And sometimes I've been accused of never preaching about it or talking about it. But uh, the truth is, and some people are accused of preaching about it all the time, or all you ever talk about is hell. Jesus talked about hell more than he talked about heaven. And the reason is very simple. It's, it's a warning. It, it's a sobering reminder when every person dies on this planet. And before there were ever coronaviruses, people were dying. After coronaviruses are forgotten, about, people will die. We all face that reality for those of us who know christ we have this reassurance that we get to spend eternity with him but we can never forget that there are billions of people who do not have that assurance who do not know christ that is why it is so important for us to have that conversation and while it may not be the the where you go to first and foremost in a conversation cuz you're afraid you're going to end it we need to have that conversation because the reality of hell is a powerful motivator to get us out of our own seats to get us out of our own comfort zone to help us to have conversations i can't tell you how many times i go to hospitals i go to nursing homes where people say grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, whoever, sister, brother, mother, cousin, whoever has very little time to live, and I'm not sure where they're going to go, would you come have a conversation? And I do. And we do that, Randy. I mean, that's not, that's something we're always willing to do. But there's a question that comes into my mind. Didn't you think about this before now? Didn't you think about this before we got to this point? Why are you waiting to this moment, to have that conversation. Why don't you have that conversation way earlier? Sometimes people aren't receptive to it, and, you, and if you say we've tried to have that conversation, and and we've and they've always been ready, but now I think they're open to it. That's absolutely a real situation, a scenario that I've been through with people that I know, people who have not been receptive to the gospel, and it took something catastrophic. It took facing death full-on to get their attention and to say, I need to have this conversation. But it is a conversation that has to be. And there is a story that the Gospel of Luke shares with us about a man who goes to hell in Luke chapter 16. That's, uh, if you're wondering what the picture is, that's from Dante's Inferno, a picture that was drawn as it shows the levels of hell. As he was, Dante wrote this uh, poem thing. I can't remember what it's called, but uh, he wrote this book on on the on hell. on the uh, It's called Dante's Inferno. You should be familiar with that. But the uh, the reality is. That uh, he was trying to encapture how the gravity of hell and and its awfulness. And uh, so his character takes a trip into hell and then ultimately into heaven. But um, we have a story given to us by Jesus in Luke chapter 16, verse 19. He says, there was a rich man who would dress in purple and fine linen feasting lavishly every day but a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores was lying at his gate he longed to be filled with what fell from the rich man's table but instead the dogs would come and lick his sores one day the poor man died and was carried away by the angel to angels to Abraham's side the rich man also died and was buried and being in torment in Hades he looked up and saw Abraham a long way off with Lazarus at his side Father Abraham, he called out, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this flame. Son, Abraham said, remember that during your life you received your good things just as Lazarus received bad things, but now he is comforted here while you are in agony. Besides all this, a great chasm has been fixed between us and you so that those who want to pass over from here to you cannot, neither can those from there cross over to us. Father, he said, then I beg you to send him to my father's house because I have five brothers to warn them so they won't also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. But he told him, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded if someone rises from the dead. Pray with me. Father, we thank you, God, for your word. We thank you for a very clear warning. Lord, brought to us by you personally. Father, may it be a sobering thought in these troubled times, the reality, the reality of death is that death is not final. But Lord, we have two possible destinations. Lord, one in your comfort for all eternity and one in your wrath. Lord, may we be comforted, those of us who know Christ and have put our faith in Jesus, knowing that you have promised us that if we will trust in you, put our faith in you, that we will be with you for all eternity and nothing shall take us from your grasp. Nothing can take us out of your protection. We are sealed with you. Lord, thank you for that assurance. But Lord, may we be moved with compassion for those who have not put their faith in you to warn those people to share our testimony, to give them the good news about Jesus and the hope that is in you, praying and believing that if they will simply trust in you, they also can have the hope of eternal life. Lord, may we never stop pushing your message into a lost and dying world. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible gives us this account of a rich man and a poor man who both die. It's the only parable in which Jesus uses an actual person's name and has caused some scholars to think that it's not actually a parable of something that happened but he's actually speaking about something that truly occurred and we don't know that but it is of an interesting point now the poor man dies and is embraced by Abraham the rich man dies and he suffers in hell and across this great divide he asks for mercy he asks for water He asked for someone to warn his family. It's important for us to understand that God does not send anyone to hell. People go to hell of their own volition. God didn't make hell to send people to. He created hell for a place for Satan and his his rebellion to be. And when man fell in the garden he took on the same fate that satan himself had and and so we then chose to dwell in the company of satan to be part of his rebellion on our own volition by our own decision and now each of us in the course of life make decisions We have every opportunity to follow God and be faithful to him. When he reveals himself to us in the world, when he reveals himself through all the natural wonders around us, we see him, we see his presence, yet we choose not to obey him. Starts at an extremely early age, but we believe this. There comes a moment, there comes a time when we become aware of that guilt. We become aware that the decision I'm making is in rebellion against God. That he has said this and I have chosen this. And yet we still choose to rebel. We still choose to disobey. It is a result of a sinful nature that we are born with. But alas we are still culpable as a result of it. There's To say I was born this way of any sin. Of any thing is not an excuse it may be a statement of reality but it doesn't excuse us God is holy we are not and there is a penalty for that it is still our own culpability especially when God has provided a solution Through the Old Testament, he provided a means of atonement. He provided a way for people to be justified. He said, if you will follow these steps, you will be justified according to my own law. And he laid it out. He said, you just follow these procedures and you shall be forgiven. All you have to do is do what you are very capable of doing. God wouldn't give them laws to abide by and a means to be atoned for if it wasn't possible. People couldn't afford it. He found a way for people who couldn't afford it. Everybody had a means by which they could be forgiven for their sin. And then he ultimately culminated that in his son Jesus Christ saying, I'm going to give you the sacrifice. I'm going to provide the lamb to be a sacrifice for all people so that all of you who will believe in him and trust him and claim this atonement for yourself, claim this blood for yourself, claim this to say, I want his blood to cover my sins. You will be atoned for and you can have eternal life. That's good news. I don't have to raise a baby goat. I don't have to raise a baby lamb. I don't have to raise up a baby bull. I don't have to go buy one. God provides the perfect sacrifice for me. All I have to do is claim that sacrifice for myself, saying, yes, I want his blood applied to my sin and so that I might be forgiven and have eternal life and have faith in that atoning blood. To believe that that is all I need in order to be saved. That's all God asks. If you will just believe that I have done this for you, if you will put your faith in my son, Jesus Christ, that he died for your sins and his blood that was shed will save you. And that through his resurrection, I've made it possible for you to be resurrected. And if you believe in that, you will have eternal life. And I have done that. I put my faith. As that is the only means of salvation. I have nothing I can do. No good works. No amount of following any laws or whatever. It is the atonement. The atonement sacrifice that saves me. And I believe that. And I have been saved. Now, he asked me. Share that. Share that information. Share that message with others. So that they also know that they might be saved saved that they might be saved because if they are not they will spend eternity in hell Richard Baxter appeared and pastor lived his life from the perspective of both heaven and hell he directed his church members on how to spend the day with God and he said this let God have your first waking thoughts lift up your hearts to him reverently and think for the rest enjoyed the night before, and cast yourself upon him for the day which follows. Familiarize yourself so consistently to this that your conscience may check when you your conscience may check you when common thoughts shall first intrude. Think of the mercy of a night's rest and how many that have spent that night in hell? How many in prison? How many in cold, hard lodgings? How many suffering from agonizing pains and sickness, weary of their beds and of their lives. Think of how many souls were that night called from their bodies terrifyingly to appear before God and think how quickly days and nights are rolling on, how speedily your night, your last night and day will come. Observe that which is lacking in the preparedness of your soul for such a time and seek it without delay a little bit different presentation this morning. I'm going to go through six points of what hell is and then talk about a few good things in hell, which I'll explain in a little bit. I do apologize for the outlines you had. I'm just going to tell you, when I took that and moved, I copied on one side and put the other so I can put it on two sheets. When I did it this time, it took the one through 6, and then continued it on the other side through 7 through 12 in Roman numerals. Now, if you don't read Roman numerals, you're good. You don't have no idea. But uh, but if you do, you're thinking, why do we start with 7? It's not a Star Wars thing where I'm starting with episode 4 and moving on. It's not like that's for you geek people out there. But uh, no, it was supposed to be 1 through 6. So number one, here's what we get from this passage. Hell is eternal. Hell is eternal. Now, there are some who teach that something called annihilationism. I, In some ways, there's part of me that wishes that annihilationism was true, and what that belief is is that after you die, there is a period of torment. But ultimately, when you're cast into a lake of fire, your soul ceases to exist. But actually, what Scripture teaches us is that God gives you a resurrected body that is fitted to last for an eternity of suffering and that is the price that is paid again he created that for a group of fallen angels that rebelled in heaven against him for Satan himself by choice people decide they would rather be with him than with Christ under his reign under his kingdom that is you are already seeing it. Is It's like in the Old Testament of Moses. When Moses said, all who are with me stand over here. And all who are with those rebellious people stand over there. Now, if, you, if you've read the Old Testament in your readings, you know what's going to happen. They don't know what's going to happen. So they're choosing sides. They're choosing whether they want to stand with Moses and follow his leadership. Or whether they want to stand with the rebellion and do their own thing. But when they split apart... God opens the ground up, all the rebellious people fall in, and he closes the ground up over the top of them. Now everybody sees. Okay, now, I. at that point, you don't go, wait a second, I want to switch sides. It's too late. And that is the same way it is in this world. We are, at this point in this life, while we are breathing, while we are living, we are choosing which side we want to be on. The decision is an eternal decision now we we try to express that to people we try to tell people this is eternal it is very important the decision that you are going to make hell is a place of pain it is a place of pain we many times highlight that there will be no pain in heaven and we look forward to that but it's important to remember that there will be an eternity of pain in hell People who try to end their pain by leaving this life don't understand that you inherit an eternity of pain if you do not have... that. Christ is the only solution for pain. There is no way to stop pain ultimately except in Christ. Hell is a place of fear. People are afraid. I said this... Joe is quoting Kim who quoted me who said this line and I've shared it before fear is the enemy of faith fear is the enemy of faith when we get afraid we are contradicting what Christ has called to do. that's why he told us do not be troubled in times of panic when he said there's going to be wars and rumors of wars and he said but he tells his followers do not be troubled Now, why would you say that? Would you say there's going to be a lot of... There's going to be apocalyptic desolation. But don't be afraid. Why would you say that? If you weren't trying to tell people, trust me. Hold tight to me. I will see you through this. It is for a moment. Do not be afraid. But in hell, fear never ends faith is absent and all there is is fear hell is a place of sadness continual remorse a lot of times people think about anger in hell but the real darkness of hell is the absence of joy we see people who have precursors of hell in this life, who has an absence of joy. And it's like you're experiencing in this world a taste of what eternity without Christ will be. If you will embrace Christ and His Spirit, His Spirit will bring you joy that you can have for all eternity. We are to exhibit this joy, to draw people away from sadness, to embrace the Christ who gives joy. That's so why I, I harp on that all the time, that we need to be people who are, who are joyful. In Dante's Divine Comedy, that we showed a picture of earlier, he describes this fictional journey of the, the author going through hell and heaven. In and, and the infernal section, the sign above the portal of hell says this. It says, Abandon hope, all ye who enter here. Once you go to hell, it is hopeless. Hopeless. Hell is a pli- place of isolation. We are separate, separated from people, and, and more than that, we we'll talk about isolation, just being alone. You talk about God, uh, that the enemy is always trying to pull people away from the body of Christ because his, his goal is isolate and destroy. And you see this when when God's people try to surround a person and and share the gospel with them, that person, uh, the enemy, is trying to isolate them away from them because if he can isolate them temporarily in this life he can isolate them permanently for all eternity in hell and finally hell is a place of separation God talked about this gulf this chasm that cannot be crossed that cannot be bridged ever there is no doctrine in the word that says that once people go to hell they can be prayed out of hell and into heaven there is no place that people go once they die that we can pray that they can be removed from that place and then we don't have that And the Word of God. Once separated, we are always separated for all eternity. Now I mentioned that there are a few good things in hell. As we look back in the story, there are a few good things in hell. The first one, good people are in hell. Good people are in hell. Look back in Luke 16. 19. There was a rich man who would dress in purple and fine linen, feasting lavishly every day, But a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, was lying at his gate. He longed to be filled with what fell from the rich man's table, but instead the dogs would come and lick his sores. Now, Johnny Hunt points out something that I didn't notice in this. He said God revealed it to him. That is, if you went to your house today and at the end of your driveway had a man that had a will work for food sign and he was sitting there and every day was showing up. To beg, what would you do? You might help him. Or you might call the police, right? You might say, hey, I got this guy at the end of my driveway, very unseemly character. He's always begging. He doesn't have to let him beg at his gate. He could have had him removed, but he didn't. In his mind, he's doing him a favor. He's doing something good for him. It's kind of like when you see a guy on the highway and you think, you know what? I'm going to roll down my window and throw him a dollar. Where I'm not going to call the police and have him removed. I'll continue to let him do his thing. That's actually an effort to be good. And understand, from our perspective, they're all just efforts to be good. We, good is subjective in our own terms. We are... We we try to define this is a good act, and the world tries to say this is a good thing, and this person does good things. But those are all things that we are defining as good. We are making up those definitions. We are saying this is good versus that according to our own terms. We we decide what is goodness. And God says, well, if that's the case, good people are going to be in hell. Because Jesus says there are none good except God himself. And so his definition of good is completely different than ours, that God gives goodness, that goodness isn't something we are doing in and of ourselves, that goodness is something that God defines. So yes, good people will be in hell. Second thing, good vision is in hell. Good vision is in hell. Look at this next verse. Verse 23. And being in torment in Hades, he looked up and saw Abraham a long way off with Lazarus at his side. So he can see, in Jesus' illustration, in to heaven. So he knows what is going on. What an even greater torment. It doesn't say Lazarus is looking back the other way. But it does say the people who are, that the, this man who is there can see, see this man he knew on earth in the glories of heaven. What a tragedy to think that we would be able to see, that people would be able to see all the goodness of God while they are being tormented. We see from this the good prayers are in hell. Verse 24, he says, Father Abraham, he called out, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this flame. He is praying for relief. He is praying for mercy. So we see that people in hell desire to be relieved of the agony that they are in hell just as people desire. These are prayers that are prayed here to God for relief. So that doesn't change. It is not good praying That gets people into heaven is not good praying that gives people an eternity with Jesus Christ. It is faith in Jesus Christ that is our solution, not good prayers. We see that good memory is in hell. Look in verse 25. Son, Abraham said, remember that during your life you received your good things just as Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here while you are in agony so he can remember his life. He can remember the opportunities. Think of the torment again of thinking through every single opportunity you had to put faith in Jesus Christ. Everything God revealed to you, every moment and place that God said, here I am, trust in me. And never having the ability to resolve that. All those opportunities are now lost. Good theology is in hell. Theology meaning the study or understanding of God. Look in Philippians chapter 2 for this one, as Paul kind of explains this for us. Philippians chapter 2, verse 11. He says, "In every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now he says, he specifically says, in heaven and earth and under the earth, everybody is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, meaning that people who do not believe in God, people who do not understand God, people who do not have an understanding of the truth of theology will have an understanding of theology in hell. They will know that God is real. They will know that Jesus is his son. They will know that he is Lord. Even though they have chosen not to worship him, not to follow him, not to be a part of his kingdom, they will know the truth. Good priorities are in hell. Look in verse 27 back in Luke 16. He says, Father, he said, then I beg you to send him to my father's house because I have five brothers to warn them so they won't also come to this place of torment. Now he has his priorities right. I have family. They need to know the truth. Now, here's a place where you have a man in hell who sometimes has a better sense of priorities than Christians who are alive. Because he's thinking of his family. But that's because he's tasting it, he's feeling it, he's experiencing it. If we were there, I think we also would want to see our family saved. because This is what he's thinking. I don't want anybody else to have to go through what I'm going through right now. Have you ever said that in this life? You ever had a moment where you're going through something and say, I wouldn't want anybody to go through what I'm going through right now. I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. Well, when you get to feeling like that, if you ever have that feeling again, just take this perspective. Maybe God is allowing you to feel that to say, if you think what you're going through right now is bad and you wouldn't wish this on your own worst enemy and you could find a way to keep people from going through this. A message very good for the times that we are in right now. If you could find a way to keep other people from suffering as you are suffering, would you not do it? That is a motivation to share the gospel. Because we can. We can. We can testify to them. We can share with them about Jesus. He can't. But we can. He can't warn his brothers and sisters. But we can. What he is wanting to do in hell, Jesus is giving this picture of what this person is wanting to do in the grips of hell, and he can't do anything about it. But we can Because we are not there. We are here. We still can testify. We still can warn people and need to do so. And finally, good intentions are in hell. Look in verse 30. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He really believed that if he could get back into this world, if somebody could get into this world, that they would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He has good intentions. There's an old saying that says, good intentions pave the road to hell. But good intentions don't save anybody. One can reject Christ through outright rebellion. But rejection of the Lord doesn't have to be active. One can deny and refuse Christ through apathy, indifference, procrastination, even ignorance. Some people fully intend to follow the Lord someday. One day I will follow Jesus. Right now, I've got other things going on, but one day I will follow him. Believing that one day will come. And Jesus gives so many warnings about that. People who are unprepared for the day of the Lord... And we always think about it as the second coming, that we always are going to be caught like in a left behind episode. We're going to be doing something and all of a sudden he's going to show up. But friends, once death comes from us, once death shows up, our opportunities are over. It's the same thing as if Jesus came that day. Your days are over. Your opportunities are done. This may be. This moment right now may be your only moment. And people need to understand that. No matter how good your intentions are. I plan to do this someday when you've got the opportunity right now to make a a decision. And both you need to tell people that when you're having this discussion. They need to make a decision right then. You're not selling cars. You're not doing something. You're not trying to give them a condo or something. You're talking about eternal life. They you make a decision now. And it may be you need to make a decision this morning. Know this. Hell was not prepared for you. It was prepared for Satan. Jesus has prepared a place for you. He has a place for you to spend eternity with him. And that's all you're wanting to communicate to people when you go out and share the gospel. It's like, I I have a place secure in Christ. I want you to be there with me. That's all Jesus was saying when he was on this planet. I I just want you, my children, to be with me for all eternity. I love you. I want you to be with me. Please come be with me. And he invites us. He's invited us today. Now, if you are here this morning... ...and you absolutely are confident in your faith in Jesus Christ and you're going to spend eternity with Him, then your charge this morning is to, you can come pray for those who are lost. I, want to, I never want to turn that away. But absolutely, I hope you'll go out with a greater motivation to be intentional in sharing the gospel. But the main people I want to talk to this morning are the people who are sitting there thinking, I'm not sure where I'm going to go. When I was in Campus Crusade, we'd go around and share with people, and, and we'd say, "Hey, what do you think your odds are of getting to heaven?" And people would give a percentage. They'd say, "You had to." We'd say, "From zero to 100 percent, what do you think your percentage of getting to heaven is?" And you know, college kids—they do the math in their head. 72.6 percent. And I don't know what kind of math they're doing up there. I don't know what they're weighing, but I—I I could guess that they're weighing. I've done this many bad things and this many good things, multiply it by the square root of seven or whatever, and do blah blah blah. But the reality is. It's either 0% or it's 100%. Because it's 0% if you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ. And if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, it's 100%. If you're trusting Him for your salvation, then nobody can take that away. You are guaranteed a place with Him. He offers that to you if you want to trust His atoning sacrifice for you and put your faith in Him. It's that simple. I was 8 years old when I put my faith in Jesus Christ. My sister was six years old. All it took was an understanding that she would stand guilty before him. She didn't want to stand before him guilty. She knew the sins that she was committing would cause her to go to hell. She decided to put her faith in Jesus Christ and trust him for her salvation. And she's still saved today in her 40s. Still following the same Jesus. And you saying, well, I know a lot of people put trust in him, but they're not following him today. Jesus gives a parable about that. It's called the parable of the sower. And he talks about seed being cast and some takes and some doesn't take. What I want to know is... If you're not planted and growing and bearing fruit in Christ through your relationship with him, then you have a reason to be afraid that you are not in Christ, that he has not changed you. He has not made you new. You are not a new creation in him because when you put your faith in him, he changes you into a new person. And today, if you're not a new person, if you've not been made new and you're worried about that, don't. Don't get into a theological argument. Just simply say, God, I want to know for sure. I'm going to trust in you today. I'm going to put my faith in you today. i want to believe in you today. And then you'll know. Pray with me. Father, we just thank you, God, for how great and amazing you are. And just pray today, by your grace, Lord, that you would call us out of darkness and into light. And, Lord, I just pray this simple prayer. If there's anybody in this room today... And they do not know that they are going to spend an eternity with you. And Lord, they have a fear of hell, a fear that they are going to be separated from you because they do not know whether they have ever put their trust in you, in your atoning sacrifice, if they've never claimed your death for their life. If they have not lost the life they have here to receive the life that you have to give, if they have not been changed by your power through the Holy Spirit or if they're even struggling to understand these things I pray they will come today and embrace the truth of your love that they can know for 100% certainty that they will spend an eternity with Christ and be in the place that you have reserved for them we pray it in Jesus name Amen stand with us we have this time invitation just want to invite you to come Randy's over here I'm over here just give you somebody you can feel comfortable praying with If I'm praying with somebody, please go to Randy and ask to pray But if you're here this morning If you're here this morning, if you are the one You are your own one You are the one that needs to put trust in Jesus Christ I pray that you'll come today And we'll pray with you, we'll just share with you How you can come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ if You have somebody else to pray for, of course we want the altar to be open If you have another reason to come and talk to us Absolutely, you want to join the church You have another commitment to make You obviously are invited to come make that Open up this opportunity for you to put your faith in Jesus Christ as we sing.